to the worship team. My name is Johnny, and I am the campus pastor here at the bridge. And uh, I was on vacation last week, and as I was driving back from Missouri, thank God I was driving back from Missouri. Um, as I was driving back from Missouri, I thought, I'm really excited to come home. I'm really excited to come home, and I'm really excited to come to church on Sunday. And it occurred to me that I really love you guys. And I know that sounds cheesy, okay? But I really do. And there are a lot of churches and a lot of pastors, unfortunately, who feel dread when they start to come home. And I felt none of that. I felt so excited to come back and to join you on Sunday morning. And so I just wanted to say thank you for being you. It's really fun to be the pastor here at the bridge. And actually, while I was on vacation, I bumped into someone from the bridge. And instead of making me scream and run away, like, why is this happening to me? It was an exciting moment. Thank you, Vanderwerfs, for being in Missouri. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I grew up in a big family. There was six of us kids. I have uh, three sisters and two brothers. There was six of us kids. And during the summertime, I think that my mom's uh, best idea of babysitting was to take us all to the pool and set us loose on unsuspecting lifeguards um, and who had to keep us alive. And she'd just go swim laps because um, she had to relax somehow. And that was how she chose to relax. And so we would spend all day in the summer at the pool uh, terrorizing teenagers and being, you know, generally naughty and things like that. Um, but I remember that was a huge part of my childhood was all that swimming, swimming, swimming. It was such a huge part of my childhood. So when I got to high school, I wasn't a very athletic guy. I don't think I have to tell you that. Um, but I wasn't a very athletic guy. But one thing I could do was swim. And so I joined the swim team. And I was a pretty good swimmer. I wasn't the best swimmer, but I was a pretty good swimmer. And I remember we had a meet uh, one time. And I swam some of my best times. I did good. I did, I did a good job personally at that meet. I was happy with what I had accomplished in the, in the races that I did. And so we got done. We go back to the locker room, and I'm feeling pretty good about myself. And I remember our coach came in, and he was, uh, he kind of, our coach kind of looked like a frog, which is ironic because it's swim team. Um, but he was just this little froggy man, and he was so mad. He was so, he chewed us up one side and down the other. You would have thought he was a football coach, not a swimming coach, the way he talked to us. He, he was so ashamed of our performance, and he wanted to quit, and he couldn't believe he even called us his team and all this type of stuff. And I was sitting there thinking, I did pretty good, man. Like, what is going on? And he said, the thing is, even if some of you do well and the team does bad, then we've done bad. Swimming in high school is a team sport. You compete individually, but swimming is scored as a team. It's a team sport. So even if you do well, the team can do poorly and you can still lose. Swimming is a team sport. So this morning we're continuing our Unique series. We passed a church in uh, Missouri when they were doing a series called Unique as well. So it's not that unique, I guess. But we're doing our Unique series. And uh, we've been talking about the things that make our church unique. What, what makes us unique as a congregation? And our whole thing is celebrating those things, celebrating our DNA. To say, hey, it's unique because it's uh, creating in us a, an identity that puts us on mission for the kingdom of God. It's good to be unique because that means that there's an expression of the gospel happening here at the bridge and at Meredith Drive across town that is uh, unique and calls people to God in a unique way. So we're celebrating the things that 
that make us unique. We're celebrating our DNA. And we've talked about uh, our denomination. We've talked about what we believe about the sacraments. We've talked about our leadership structure. All of those things to understand more deeply who we are as a congregation, who we are as a church body, so that we can be released then to ministry and mission for the kingdom of God. That's what it's all about, is getting released for the ministry and the mission of the kingdom of God. And we're celebrating the ways that God has created this and constituted this body to do a unique mission in the world. Uh, And I think these things have an impact on our lives as individuals. They have an impact on our families. And hopefully they have an impact on our neighborhoods. And what we're talking about today, I believe, has a huge impact on those three areas. It has a huge impact on us as individuals. It has uh, huge impacts for the development of our faith. It has huge impacts for the development of what it means to be a church body, what we do corporately together. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's hugely important to our development as people of God. And, and I say all that because it sounds very obvious what we're talking about today. It sounds very uh, like, yeah, duh, we're, uh, of course, we're thinking that's important. What, what we're talking about today is that we believe people should belong to a small group. Yeah, duh, right? That's not that impressive, but we do. We believe that people should belong to a small group. We believe that in small groups, you will develop into the person God intends you to be. And so we believe people should be in small groups. Uh, In fact, I think I'd go so far as to say we need to be in small groups. Not just should be, but we need to find ourselves in small groups of believers that help us form and shape into the people that God intends us to be. And I think, as as intense as it is to say we need something, I think that I can back that up. I think that the scriptures we're going to look at today will stand for what I'm saying. But I think it is also important that we contour and define what we mean when we say small group. Because I'm not that good of a preacher that I will say we have a small groups program here at this church and if you're not involved in it, then you are outside of the will of God. I'm just not that good of a preacher to convince you of that. Probably because I'm not convinced of that. So we need to understand what this means. Small group. What does it mean when we say that you need to be part of a small group. So we're going to open up God's Word. That's where we're going to find what we need for this conversation and for every conversation. And we're going to read a couple different passages. We're going to do my least favorite thing, and we're going to jump around. Um, but I think it's for a good, uh, good cause this morning. So we're going to read a couple different passages, and we're going to start here in Psalm 133. David writes, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. And now, over to the book of Mark, chapter 3, verse 7. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake, And a large crowd from Galilee followed. Verse 9, because of the crowd, he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him to to keep the people from crowding him. Down to verse 13, after this, Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. And now finally to Hebrews Chapter 10, starting in verse 19. 
Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed in pure water. Let us hold unswaveringly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So when my wife and I first got married, uh, we felt like we should go get involved in a small group. This was something that we uh, wanted to do together. Uh, We had friends in college, but we didn't have a lot of uh, young married friends. And so we wanted to get involved in a small group at our church. And I didn't really know what to do. So I did uh, probably a weird thing. And I just emailed the church. And I said, hey, I want to get involved in a small group. And then uh, they just sent me a list of small group leaders and their email addresses. That's not the best way to connect to a small group. I'll just say that. But that's what they did. And so I emailed all of these small group leaders. I said, hey, we're a young couple. We just got married. We'd like to connect with other young couples, uh, uh, you know, young married couples. Could we come to your small group? And one small group leader emailed me back. That was very kind of him. And he said, we have some other couples in our small group who are like that. We meet at this time on this night. You can come on over. So... On that night, my wife and I got in the car, drove to a stranger's house, knocked on the door, and uh, they answered the door, and he said, you must be Tommy. And I said, yeah, yep, that's me. I'm Tommy. And uh, that's me. And so he called me Tommy for half the night, and then eventually his wife uh, told him that my name was Johnny, which I appreciated. Otherwise, I'd be Pastor Tommy here with you today. That would have just been the end of it. So, But we joined the small group. And we developed uh, relationships with the people in the small group. And that small group was a place where we became uh, the people that God intended for us to be. We grew and we developed. We were challenged by each other. We grew deep relationships. I spent a whole summer with the guy who called me Tommy uh, after he figured out my name. He hired me to help him finish his basement. He taught me how to mud and tape drywall and lay floor. And the whole time we'd have these deep conversations while he was teaching me how to work and paying me to do the work. It was a beautiful mentorship, as Suzanne talked about today. It was a beautiful mentoring opportunity. We made some friends in that group that we're still friends with to this day, our dearest friends of all. They live in Pennsylvania, but we try to stay in touch and see each other as often as we can because we love each other so much and so deeply. And all of that came from this small group. All of that came from this weird thing where we knocked on a stranger's door and we said, "Uh, yes, I'm Tommy. What all of the passages today demonstrate for us is that it's important for believers to be part of a group of believers. They all express it in different ways. Uh, They all kind of go about expressing that in different ways. But all three of those passages really talk about the importance of believers being in groups with other believers. In Psalm 133, David writes about how beautiful it is when people of God live in unity. He says it is like precious oil being poured on the high priest's head and running down his beard. And I'll be honest, I do not understand what's beautiful about that. But it is beautiful to David, and it's been beautiful to Jewish people and to Christians for centuries as this has been used in worship liturgies by the church and by uh, the people of the Jewish faith for centuries, for millennia, really, this passage talking about how the people of God need to be in unity with 
one another. And that's the reason that Dietrich Bonhoeffer used Psalm 133 as the opening scripture for his book, Life Together. Life Together is all about Christian community. It's all about what it means to be people of God who are surrounding themselves together with the Word of God for the sake of the world. And what Bonhoeffer knew was that community with believers is something that we often take for granted, but something that every single one of us needs. It's easy to take for granted, especially in a a place and a country where we're uh, able to worship freely, where we can come to church, we can talk about our faith. It's easy to take for granted. But it's something that we all need in our lives. And that's what Jesus was doing and getting at in Mark chapter 3, in what we read from Mark chapter 3. Jesus often withdrew from crowds to spend time with his small group of disciples. We think of disciples and we think of the 12, but Jesus had hundreds of disciples. There was hundreds of people who followed Jesus and tried to do what he said. That's what makes a disciple. But Jesus had 12 disciples that he chose, that he picked, and that he invested in. This small group of 12 disciples that Jesus got away with and drew away from the crowds with. He knew that the greatest growth that these 12 would experience would happen in small group. It would be within that group that they would prepare for the mission that they would carry out after his death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus' ministry to the crowds was important. We needed Jesus' ministry to the crowds. It's a vital part of Jesus' ministry to the world was his ministry to the crowds. But there was an urgency to his ministry with his disciples. There was an urgency to what he did with his disciples because Jesus knew and understood that real discipleship and spiritual growth was going to happen in small groups. So there's that phrase again, small groups, small groups, small groups. I talked about the small group that I was in uh, with my wife, that first small group that we were ever in together. And that was generally, usually about sermon discussions. We would talk about the latest sermon, we would pray for one another. If you've been in church for a long time, this church or really uh, any church, and you've heard the term small groups, that's usually what it means. That's what you think when you hear small groups. Okay, so that's a group. They're going to meet once a week, maybe every other week. They're going to talk about the sermon. They're going to talk about a book. They're going to pray for each other. Somebody's going to bring cookies, we hope. That's a small group, right? And I love those small groups. Those small groups are great. We have those small groups at this church. If you want to get involved, you can email me, and I'll send you a list of all the leaders, and then you can email them yourself. No, I won't do it that way, I promise. Um, but you can get involved in small groups like that. We would, inc- we would love that, but that's not the only small group. That's not the only thing that I mean when I say that we need to be in small groups. Jesus' disciples did sermon discussions together. The Sermon on the Mount, for goodness sake, okay? They did sermon discussions together. They prayed together. But sometimes they just ate together. Sometimes they didn't talk at all. They just sat together in silence. Sometimes they served food to the hungry together. Sometimes they taught kids together. Sometimes they ran away from angry crowds together. That sounds fun. Sometimes they spoke truth to power together. Sometimes they told jokes, and sometimes they talked about death and dying. Sometimes they even drove out demons with each other. Go ahead and do that with your small group. I think that'd be a good time. No matter what they're doing together, No matter what Jesus and his disciples were doing together, the disciples were growing and learning and maturing. The time that they spent together was time spent growing and learning and maturing. They were experiencing the Spirit of God together. They were developing into the people 
who would take the message and the mission of Jesus into the world. They were becoming world changers together. That's what was happening in their small group. They were becoming world changers together. And that's why we need to be in small groups. We need to be in small groups with other believers because that is where we are most shaped into becoming world changers. That is where we are most shaped into becoming people who take the message and the mission of Jesus into the world around us. The message and mission of Jesus, of God's love for the world in small groups, we become the people who are engaged to do that work for the kingdom of God. And those small groups can look like weekly discussion groups, but they can also be intentional times of gathering for meals together. They can be groups of people serving alongside each other. It could be an hour spent before Sunday service starts, uh, you know, from 9 to 10 together. It can look like all sorts of different things. All summer long, groups have come together at the Meredith Drive campus to feed kids together. Those are small groups. And those people... Maybe you're one of those people. I've been out there a few times. Whether you know it or not, you are becoming more like Jesus by being part of that small group. By gathering with that small group of believers and serving food to kids who might not have lunch without it, you are becoming more like Jesus. You are turning into a world changer. Right now, there are groups of people in the back with my kids. That's hard. They're your kids too. They might not be as hard, but my kids are hard. They're back there, and they're teaching kids together. Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Those people are acting like Jesus right now. They're becoming more like Jesus in their small groups. They're learning how to be world changers, and they're helping make little world changers. Our kids are learning about Jesus in small groups together. All of these are places where we learn and grow and become more like Jesus together. These are places where we experience the Spirit of God together. So after being uh, completely chewed out by our swimming coach, uh, angry frog man, uh, we changed a little bit. Our team started to act a little bit different at swim meets. Instead of just sitting around waiting for your individual race to start and thinking about your individual race and, you know, imagining getting your best individual time, instead of that, we started to cheer loudly for the people who were in the water racing, for our teammates who were in the middle of something. We were cheering loudly. Before races, we would gather around people and try to get them hyped up, try to get them ready for their own races. Even if it wasn't a relay that we were going to be part of, we still wanted them to do well. We understood now that this is a team sport not an individual sport, that we want to do well as individuals. We want to do great as individuals. We want to do the best we can as individuals, but we're not going to win as individuals. The only way to get where you want to get is together as a team. That's what the author of Hebrews is talking about in our reading today from chapter 10. The author of Hebrews has outlined this incredible situation that we as believers find ourselves in. We have been washed and made clean by God. We have full access to God. And to, to Jewish people, that would have been, you know, uh, very incredible, uh, you know, information. 
They thought there was a throne room and only the high priest is allowed to go in the throne room. And what the author of Hebrews is saying is, yeah, that's all true, but now Jesus is the high priest. The curtain has been torn in two. We have full access to God. We have full access through Jesus Christ to everything that God has ever said to God's people. What a beautiful situation. You no longer have to bring sacrifices. You've been washed and made clean. You no longer have to uh, worry about your you know, eternal significance because God has said that you are significant. What a beautiful situation to be in. He says, this is important stuff. And in light of all that important stuff, in light of that situation, this world-changing situation that we have found ourselves in, that we are the family of God, in light of all that, we are not supposed to forsake the gathering of ourselves together. That's old King James Version. This is what it says. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. The life of faith is not an individual sport. The life of faith, our life as believers, this this thing we call discipleship, this journey that we're on toward becoming more and more like Jesus throughout our whole lives, it's not an individual sport. It's a team sport. What we possess as individuals, an identity as the sons and daughters of God, an identity as people who have been made clean and set on mission for the kingdom of God, we, we have that. We possess that as individuals. What we possess as individuals, we are called to live out with one another. We're called to live out in community, in small groups with one another. Small groups are wherever we are alongside other believers, spurring them on and being spurred on ourselves toward love and good deeds. Small groups are wherever we are encouraging one another to press on as citizens of God's kingdom, encouraging each other that it really is worth it to live as God's people, even in a world that doesn't look like what we think it should look like. Spurring us on to say, it's hard to love. It's hard to love your enemy. It's hard to pour yourself out. It's hard to live self-sacrificially like Jesus. But it's worth it. Because that's what we've been called to. That's our identity as sons and daughters of God. And you need to be in groups of people where other people are telling that to you. Otherwise, you're going to start to think, this is not worth it. It's not worth it. I don't want to do this. We need other people around us to spur us on toward that. Small groups are the place where we eat and laugh and cry and talk and stay silent and fight evil together. That sounds like a good group to me. That's a group that I can get down with being a part of. That's why we need small groups. Because that's our team. And we're not called to do this alone. So in his book, Life Together, Bonhoeffer wrote that the physical presence of other Christians is a source of incomparable joy and strength to the believer. He goes on and says, How inexhaustible are the riches that open up for those who by God's will are privileged to live in the daily fellowship of life with other Christians. We have access to that incomparable joy and those inexhaustible riches this morning. If you're not in a place with other believers where you're being spurred on to good works and to God's love, if you're not in a place with other believers where you're being encouraged that it is worth it to live this crazy, upside-down, weird life that we've been called to in Jesus Christ, I would encourage you to find it. 
we can help you plug in. I promise I will not just send you a list of people's names with their email addresses. I will not do that to you. I will help you plug in. Here's some information. You can text this number, and we'll help you plug in. You can email me, or you can email our group's coordinator, and we'll help you plug in. And it's not only going to be opportunities to, to be in a sermon discussion group. I get that that doesn't work for everybody. I have four kids. I don't want to take my four kids to your nice house and watch them destroy your nice house just so you can tell me how nice my sermon was. I don't want that. That doesn't work for me. But I did serve in kids' church this summer. And I did serve some meals this summer. And my family gets involved in VBS and Meals from the Heartland, and we do these kinds of things. These are all small groups. These are all places to connect. We can get you connected to serve with other believers, to do Bible studies with other believers, to meet monthly, bi-weekly. There's all sorts of options and opportunities to be in these places, to be in these small groups where you are being spurred on toward love and good deeds. Because we need that, every one of us in this room. There's no lone rangers. This is not an individual sport. We need each other. And we need to be part of these groups with other believers. So uh, this screen's going to be up after the last song. So if you, you know, didn't write it down, that's fine. It'll be up for a little while after the last song. But I would just encourage you, if you need some of that in your life, if you're feeling that, if you're understanding now that need for that community, for those groups, let us know any of these options, and we'll get you connected. We'll do our very, very best to find you a great place to connect with other believers where you can grow and learn and become world changers together. Let's pray. God, I I think of those who um, don't have access to a rich team of believers. People who maybe are the only person who believes in Jesus in their neighborhood. Bonhoeffer wrote about the people who believe in Jesus and are stuck in prison cells by themselves and don't have the access to the physical presence of another Christian believer. Those who are in hospice, in the hospital rooms, in all of these places where they're alone, God, and they don't have that beautiful gift that you have given to us, which is the presence of other believers. And so, God, I pray that we won't take it for granted. I pray that we won't take for granted the access that we have to community, to groups of people who love us and know us and understand us and are there alongside us, spurring us on to be more and more like you, Jesus. I pray this morning that everyone here would have access to that kind of group. It doesn't have to be a small group at this church. God, it can be a Bible study that they have with friends from high school. I I don't care that it happens through the bridge, God. I just care that we have it because we need it, God. We need the presence of others as we become more and more like you. Father, push us to those places, even if it means being uncomfortable. Push us to those places so that we can have that beautiful, beautiful gift. We love you, God. And we know that you love us infinitely more than we can ever understand. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen.